Well, hey, you're listening to the Resonate Church Monmouth Sermons Podcast. Whether you're a part of the Resonate family or you're just a friend of ours tuning in, we're so glad that you're here. We are a church here in Monmouth, Oregon that exists for the college campus and our broader community. So if you'd like to learn more or get further connected, head over to resonate.net slash Monmouth. Otherwise, hope you enjoy today's sermon. Like Ben said, man, welcome into week two of this series titled The Sermon on the Mount. And we didn't title this passage of scripture that. Over thousands of years, it has been called The Sermon on the Mount. And for those of you who have maybe read this passage before, you might be pretty uh, familiar with this chunk of text in the book of Matthew. As uh, it's quoted quite a bit, uh, we hear it pretty often in different spaces. Uh, But for those of you guys who haven't, uh, The Sermon on the Mount is perhaps Jesus' most comprehensive and one of his most significant teachings. And so, because of its significance and honestly just how long of a sermon it is, we're going to be spending a lot of time in this series. In fact, we're going to be going up until January in this series. And so we're going to spend uh, a lot of time uh, in this chunk of text. And so as we move into uh, week two, as we move forward in this sermon, uh, I heard a pretty simple quote that kind of helps transition us into this week. And And the quote goes like this. It says, the sermon is a description of the lifestyle of those who belong to the kingdom. All right, that's pretty, it's pretty straightforward, pretty simple. So what it's saying is that the commands uh, within this, as we dive into the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, the commands within this are not the requirements to get into the kingdom, but this lifestyle is what the life of someone who's in the kingdom and is in relationship with God, this is what their life is is to look like. And so last week, uh, as we walked through the first 12 verses in the book of Matthew, in in Matthew chapter 5, we established a heart posture uh, that the citizens of Jesus's kingdom have. And so before jumping into what the life of a follower of Jesus should look like uh, to the visible world around us, our external lives, uh, we must first, in our hearts, personally, individually, in our hearts, have a posture of humility centered around the glory of Jesus and Jesus being made known as Lord. And so if you missed last Sunday, I highly, highly encourage you guys, whether it's later tonight, uh, tomorrow, with a friend throughout the week, make sure you go back and read the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5. Or head online, listen to Ben's sermon from last Sunday as well. So make sure you guys, uh, yeah, dive into Matthew 5, the first 12 verses. And another note to be reminded of as we move forward uh, is to remember that this teaching, in the context of Matthew 5, Jesus is sitting uh, before his disciples. Jesus is sit- sitting before his disciples. And so this sermon is directed towards uh, Jesus' uh, disciples and his followers. But like Ben talked about last week, uh, Jesus knows and is well aware that there are groups of people that have uh, begun to surround them, that, is, that are listening in on Jesus' sermon. Obviously, Jesus isn't like ignorant. He knows, okay, there's groups around us. Yes, I'm talking directly to our disciples, but I know there's others listening in. And so this message, the Sermon on the Mount, is a call to action for believers but it is also a fountain of good news and an invitation into a purpose-filled life for those who have yet to put their faith in him. And so, regardless of how you come into tonight, man, I encourage you to lean in 
Take some notes on your phone, on a notepad, whatever that looks like. Encourage you guys to lean in, take some notes. Let's see what Jesus has for each and every one of us. We're going to enter uh, into the book of Matthew and in chapter 5. So you guys can start to turn to Matthew uh, chapter 5. Uh, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. So we're going to be in chapter 5. And as you guys are flipping there, uh, James 1 verse 22 says this, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. And God has not simply called for heart change within his people, but what has happened within our hearts must become an outpouring of God-glorifying action and lifestyle. And so, how are the people of God's kingdom to operate within this world? What does this look like? Then we enter into Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be in verses 13 through 16 tonight. So seemingly like small amounts compared to like last week, compared to what we have to cover the next uh, few weeks. But Matthew 13, or Matthew 5 verse 13 says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the lights of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Some good stuff. Maybe you've heard this before. So this evening, we're going to walk through what this passage is calling us to, and what Jesus himself is calling us into. And before we dive into this text directly, I first want to lay some foundation a little bit. I lay down some foundation and start out with a problem we're all facing today. We, are, we must face and recognize this problem within our world. Because this passage has an effect on not just our individual personal lives, but it also uh, has an effect on the world as a whole. So what is the bad news uh, before we get to the good news and the hope of what Jesus has to offer? And so the problem, the problem we face in our world today is this. The world as we know it is decaying in the darkness of itself. The problem we all face is that the world as we know it is decaying in the darkness of itself. Let's be honest today. Let's be honest. Uh, this world is hurting. This world is in pain. All around us is decay and destruction. And so often we look around and feel like this world is crumbling. We turn on the news. I don't know how many of you guys still watch the news every once in a while. We turn on the news or we open our phones, social media, as we scroll and scroll through story after story of pain and heartache in our world. We have wars, political turmoil, injustice, crime, mental, physical, verbal, sexual abuse towards adults and children, a mental health crisis, suicide, divorce, greed, abandonment. And as we know, the list goes on and on and on. And even in a room this size and looking uh, at our lives, We've experienced some things in this world, right? We have some experience in this room as well. And the world, this world and the people within it are in pain. What do we do? We feel this pain. We know that there's something going wrong, right? Because uh, we look for a solution. We look all around this world for a solution. But the problem is that we look within this decaying world in order to silence and slow the decay, 
We seek substances, money, relationships, political parties, approval, physical looks, or we simply search for a grass that we think is greener elsewhere, and so we just run away and kind of hide from what's uh, right in front of us, hide from what is happening. But how could, how could a dark and decaying world look unto itself for restoration? How's that possible? Well, it can't. It can't. That's not possible because when things are left to themselves for self-preservation, they crumble within themselves. When things are left to themselves for preservation, they crumble within themselves. So what's the solution? There is a solution. This is the good news. There is a solution. There can only be one solution to this decay and darkness in this world, and it must be found outside of the world. The solution is salt and light, salt and light of Jesus. So while, yes, uh, Jesus talks about things you literally find here on earth, which are like, I thought you said it's outside of the world. Don't worry, we're getting somewhere with this. It's an image. These are some helpful metaphors with significant and deep meaning behind them. Salt and light, these point to something greater. They point to the solution. So salt and light. Let's look at salt for a second. Uh, in the early centuries, before there's access to refrigeration systems, people would look to salt to keep and preserve meat. Somehow, some way, I don't know, you can look it up, like the scientific reasonings behind it, but the chemical reaction, when this substance of salt is applied and ingrained in meat, it halts the decay and rotting. Pretty crazy. Try it later, I don't know. Uh, and then we look at light. Light is probably the most complex collection of energy we know and have access to in this universe. There's so many different forms. It does so many different things. Light is very complex. So let's look at maybe a simple form of light. Let's look at a match. More smoke than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, we'll see what happens here. All right, I already went out. That's okay. You guys got the image, right? A match, right? Imagine this match is lit. I'm not going to relight it because there's, yeah, there's spigot right above me. So when we look at a match, a few things are happening when you look at a match, okay? Number one, you see not just the light itself, but it also illuminates all around it. If we were to cut the lights, I relight a match, you would see not much. What you would see is the match itself. You probably see my face, see my hand. It illuminates and breaks the darkness around it. And second, there's a radiation of heat. There's a radiation of heat. I don't know about you guys, uh, but personally, I have an obsession with fire. And so you bet, I have multiple times tried to touch a flame. I have touched flames before. And we know what happens when you try to touch a flame or you stand around a fire. We know what happens when we do that. The cold ceases to exist around a flame, around a fire. Let's look at a different source of light, something uh, much larger. Let's look at the sun as an example of light. The sun, it illuminates, it provides heat, love summers. It also accelerates and sustains life. The sun accelerates and sustains life. A flower left in a dark room, will decay and rot very quickly. And it requires the nutrients of the sun for light. 
uh, for life and for growth. So look at John chapter one, verses three and four. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Looking at verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That being Jesus. The light being Jesus. And so the solution for this world's decay is Jesus. He is the salt and the light. The salt and the light that we in this world need. And so before we get into Jesus calling us salt and light, we must first recognize and understand that he is the greater salt and light. He is the solution. So the hope for humanity is not found in humanity itself. It is found in the one who created this world, the one who knit together the fabric by which we stand on and the air in which we breathe. And the solution is found uh, not in the creation, but is found in the creator. And so as citizens of God's kingdom, as just mere humans living in this broken, crumbling world, uh, would we first savor and see Jesus as the salt and light that we so desperately need in our hearts and in this world? So as we walk through what this means for our lives personally, and we must not take our, lo- our eyes off of Jesus as a source of life. And that's just our foundation. That's still technically the intro uh, for you guys. That is our foundation. That the world and humanity as we know it is decaying in the darkness of itself. The solution is found not in humanity itself, but is rather found in Jesus as a salt that preserves and the light that restores and sustains. We're gonna dive a little bit more uh, into that towards the end. So now... What is Jesus uh, saying to us and what is he calling us into as his people? Let's finally dive into the text. So looking at Matthew uh, chapter five, 13 through uh, 16, we're gonna break this down into three points that we can pull and dissect uh, from this text. And I'm sure you can probably assume what they are. Um, Point one is the salt. Point one is the salt. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. All right, here we go. What does it mean to be the salt? What does this mean? Jesus is using this metaphor, so what does it mean? So again, looking at the reality of salt in this time and what this means for us, as Jesus calls us salt. So first, the reality of salt is that salt is an agent of preservation. Salt, an agent of preservation. This means for us that we are to walk throughout this world, not bringing death and decay to those around us, but rather we are a resource of joy and hope and comfort. And we bring components of preservation to those around us. And what does it mean to be a blessing to others and not, and not tear them down and cause further decay? This looks like empathy, giving encouragement, celebrating often, celebrating others, and of course, sharing the good news of Jesus. So would we bring life and peace and encouragement to others? Next, salt also creates and spurs on thirst. Salt creates and spurs on thirst. Uh, Let's think about restaurants for a second. I don't know if you guys have kind of thought about their their tactics with this, Uh, but some of our favorite restaurants, what do they do? They give us something as soon as we sit down. They give us peanuts, chips, bread. Why? 
How do they do this? It's not to fill us up and make us buy less food. Uh, no, that would be silly of them to do. They do this for quite the opposite. They do this because the salt within, within these foods, the salt makes you more thirsty and thus causes you to want and desire and thus buy a drink and spend more money. So that's why they give you the food. It's not to fill you up, even though we get filled up on that because it's endless. Uh, but no, it's to cause thirst within us. And so as salt in this world, would our words and actions cause people to desire to know and experience Jesus? Man, we should be questioned by those around us for why we have joy and hardship, why we don't crave money or, or submit to the ways of the world. And then, of course, man, we get to boldly say, because I know and savor Jesus as my only hope and deepest joy. So we should be uh, stirring the affections for Jesus. And then, of course, salt has an impact on food, right? Uh, some of you guys out there love salt way too much uh, and add it endlessly to your food. I don't understand it sometimes. Um, but why? Why do we do that? Because it enhances the flavors within the food. Salt enhances flavors. And so when we, I know, we're like connecting all sorts of things right now. When we enter our spaces, whether school, work, sports, clubs, friend groups, our families, oh man, we should have an impact. And we should have an impact that brings forth the good in these places. Not because we think we're so great, but rather because we are filled with and centered on Jesus who is great. And there should be a reality that if we were to disappear from our spaces, that there would be a noticeable gap, that something is missing. And neighbors should notice the absence of salt in their area if we were to disappear. And we must have an impact on our spaces as salt. So would we be salt in this dull, decaying world around us? Moving forward to point number two is the light. Say it with me, the light. One more time. The light. The light. Got to make sure we're awake. All right. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. Very clearly, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Okay. So we have Matthew 5. Got that in mind? Let's look at uh, John uh, chapter 8, verse 12, real quick. And again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Matthew 5, John 8. Let's compare these two. We have them side by side. Let's look at these verses. Because Jesus' words are very strategic and intentional in both of these. When he calls us lights, it is significant. And then we look at John 8, reminded of our relation to Jesus. Jesus calls us lamps. Matthew 5, he calls us lamps, a specific type of light. And calling us light uh, is in relation to us being lit by him. As we see in John 8, that Jesus is the light of the world. Lamps cannot themselves make or produce light. Rather, they contain light, they contain the energy. A lamp in these days needed the flame of a fire in order to be lit. 
And today, our lamps must be plugged in or connected to a greater source of power in order to produce light. So Jesus himself is the light of the world. You are a light only as you are lit by him. So you are a light connected to Jesus as the source. So we got a little bit of foundation as we dive into this one. And so as lights, what does that mean for us? What is Jesus calling us into now as lights? So first, a light illuminates. A light illuminates. We are not called as God's people to simply blend into the darkness around us. Very evident as we read Matthew 5. And this looks like honoring and respecting women being responsible with alcohol. When lies are presented, we tell the truth and have integrity. We don't push down those already hurting, but rather we lift them up and love the brokenhearted. We don't blend in. We don't play a passive role in our spaces. A light, and a light set on a hill stands out. A light illuminates and breaks the darkness, the control of darkness of all that it surrounds. And a light shines truth in the midst of lies. As a light and as salt, your presence should not fuel the fires of gossip, shaming, and slander of others. Rather, uh, we should be a beacon of life and hope and joy in the midst of darkness. And so would we shine the truth of the gospel in the places we are in? And then next, an illuminating light guides. A light is a guide. As we follow the light of Jesus, we are also called to be a light and guide to those around us who do not know the light. Again, we are reflections of Jesus. And so our, our reflection as the light hits us, it points back to Jesus. We as a light should point towards ultimate source of life being Jesus. When people see our lives, again, we should be questioned. You should receive questions. And why do you operate how you do? And our response, again, should be one of humility that points not to our good deeds, or again, how great we think we are, but, or not even pointing to our circumstances, but rather, and we should point to the hope we have in Jesus. I think it could be hard, um, but don't get this twisted. And today we see so many instances of self-proclaimed Christians acting opposite of the ways of Jesus. Man, they slander and condemn others for the sake of building up oneself. But rather, a true follower of Jesus, a true light, does not tear others down, but rather brings hope, truth, and warmth because they have received that from the light of Jesus. And again, there's some tension here. Um, we must not hold back from calling sin, sin, and darkness, darkness, okay? We must not hold back, though. We still push against the darkness around us. Remember, we are a light and illuminate, and uh, we, we, uh, the darkness ceases to exist when we share the light of Jesus. But we do so with love-filled hearts and genuine care for Jesus to comfort those who are in pain, and so we still challenge the ways of the world and the ways that those around us are stuck in the darkness. So again, be bold. But this is a balance. As you can see, this is kind of a balance here. And once I do not hide under the cloak of fear or shame or false humility even and just blend in, don't blend in. 
And there's no such thing as a casual Christian. But also do not live in a way that hungers for recognition and power and views that just to lift yourself up. But rather, live in a manner that shamelessly proclaims the name of Jesus for the sake of his name being lifted up, not ours. And for those around us, and we do this as well so that those around us experience and see the loving heart of God. So would we walk in humility as salt and lights in this world? And then that leads us directly into point number three, being God's glory. End of verse 16 says, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and not worship you, but rather give glory to your father who is in heaven. So simply to ask the question, what does your life point towards? What does your life point towards? Why do you do the things that you do? And Jesus calls for us as citizens in his kingdom and the salt and light in this world He calls us to bring glory to the one who holds this universe together, the creator, the author, God. And the one who has given us life and has adopted us as sons and daughters into his family. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do for God and his glory in your classes, your work, your sports teams, your clubs, your family, your friend group on social media. Would we enter these places desiring for the name of Jesus to be known and loved and lifted up (laughs) 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 through how we operate and the things that we do, the way we operate, the, the conversations we have with our coworkers, with our friends, and we do so so that they can experience and know the love of God and so that God gains the glory. And then when faced with decisions, seemingly big or seemingly small in our lives, and would our aim not be to give us the most comfort and ease in this life, but rather would we strive for God to be glorified and would we take steps uh, towards putting ourselves in strategic places to be salt and light to the brokenhearted? Strategically, put ourselves in places and giving God glory with our lives. The first step before we move into all this action, before we go out there and all right, let's be a light on the hill. Man, first, let's give him glory in our own hearts. First step is to give God glory within your heart. And like I said in the beginning, the solution to the darkness found in this world is Jesus as a salt and light that the world desperately needs. <laughs> we too, we too are in desperate need of God's rescue, his grace, and his life. Now those things I listed out earlier, the, the darkness and decay and things that make this world seem like it's crumbling, things I listed out for the world, you list out for us as individuals, Right? And we experience some things in our lives. You have experienced things in your life. So would we see and savor the good news that God has not left us in this crumbling world to ourselves. He hasn't said, come find me. He hasn't said, climb this ladder to come find me. And But he came to us in Jesus, not simply as an example just to follow. 
end, but as the savior we need in this decaying world. He came as a light that illuminates the darkness, provides warmth to the hurting, and guides the lost to a life full of joy, hope, and purpose. And our part in this is to admit our brokenness in the times we choose our way and the world's ways. And then we embrace the, the grace of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so ask yourself, we must ask ourselves, and have you been lit by the lights of Jesus? Because again, in order to be a light, you must have been lit by the light. So have you had a moment in your life, personally, individually, you, not because of a family member or circumstances, you individually, have you had a moment man, when you have been stopped in your tracks, where you have seen the brokenness within your heart, hated that brokenness, and trusted that Jesus is the true healer and the true source of joy? Have you felt this in your life? If you're feeling it now, man, I, I encourage you and to let Jesus in. Go to him. Would you give yourself to him? And for those who have been lit by the light of Jesus, we must ask ourselves a question. Is there beauty and warmth to our lives? Are we simply content with just blending in? Going to church, going to village here and there, reading our Bible every once in a while, blending into our spaces. Are we content with that? Are we willing to get uncomfortable and for the sake of others experiencing the light of God? Are we hesitant to make some decisions in our lives? And God has graciously given us purpose in this life. And read what we read uh, Matthew 5. Hey, these verses, this passage is filled with purpose. Each and every single one of us have been searching for purpose in our lives. And we bounce around this world and looking for some sort of significance. And tonight, would we look at the words of Jesus and the creator of the world, the one who holds all of existence together has invited you and I into a life of purpose and one with impact that will far outlast our lives. It's a beautiful thing. And our purpose is to glorify God in all we do and show others the light and love of God. And this is a call for every single one of us. Not just someone standing on a stage, not just someone that works for a church that has the title, but no, no matter where you're at in life, you have purpose, you have a mission. This is only because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Because of that, you have purpose in your life. And praise God. As we close, I'm gonna read Ephesians chapter two, verses one through five. Have you heard this before? Man, I pray that it is good news to our ears. Ephesians two. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. <laughs> Here's the good news. 
but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By grace, you are a salt. By grace, you are a light in this world. You have access to the light. You have access to his warmth, his comfort, his embrace. And we get to offer that to others. What a beautiful thing. And so would we be a people who seek and savor Jesus above all. And when we experience the salt and lights of Jesus, we take seriously the call on our lives to be salt and light to the world and to those around us, sitting next to us now, sitting next to us tomorrow in classes, on our sports teams, in our workplaces. We take this seriously. And we do this all for the sake of God being glorified in and through our lives. So as we close, uh, before I pray, before uh, the band comes back up, before we wrap up in singing, um, we're gonna throw a couple of questions up on the screen for us to process through. Um, You can either, yes, do process them right now with thoughts are going on in your mind, um, but I also encourage you to take this home with you tonight. Reflect on these. This week, reflect on these. Ask someone to talk with these things about you. Meet up with someone and share what God is saying to you. So the first question, have you felt the love of Jesus and has your heart been stirred to allow him to be Lord over your life? Do you want to? Second, what things in your life do you need to give up because it is hiding the light within you? In what ways, believer, are you tempted to blend in put a cover over the light. Be real. Be real tonight. Be real to yourself. And third, what steps can you take this week to actively show the light of Jesus to those around you? And when you've been, when you've been lit by the light of Jesus, how can you this week, tomorrow, take seriously this call to be salt and light to those around you? So again, I encourage you, think through these for a couple minutes as we enter back into worship and and take these home with you. Talk with someone. Talk with someone after this about what God is stirring within you, what things are on your mind. Don't keep it here tonight. And go to God and go to those around you. So I'm gonna pray and invite the band back up and then we'll close with singing to Jesus, the salt and the light. Let's pray.